Welcome into the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm going to start off by introducing Danny Small because last week I did forget his name in the intro because I was so worried about getting Chris's name right and I butchered that. And I, I, I totally just when he said I forgot his name, I had to make it up to him. So Danny Small is here today. He was with us last week as well. Of course, I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy. We do have some Nick talk to get into today, but first thing is first. I told you guys, I got into the Sopranos. I'm like the last one here to watch. Probably one of the last ones on earth to actually see in the show. But I just started it back in like April. I just finished it today. And uh, every time we try to talk about it, I guys can't tell me too much because I I haven't finished it. So finally got to that point. So we're going to have a little Sopranos discussion here. I mean, why not? Um, (laughs) I love the show. I thought it it was great. I always heard, though, that the ending totally disappoints you. And when I got to the ending, I kind of had, like, the feelings it's just going to end stupidly or, or just not the way that I was thinking. So I kind of was prepared for that. But when the screen just goes black, I'm thinking, that really disappointed me. That really disappointed me. Now, there are some shows I have watched that have ended horribly, and I won't watch it because of it anymore. The Sopranos is not that. I wasn't in love with the ending, but I thought the show was still great. Um, and, you know, if you guys don't remember the ending, you know, with the they're in the diner, the music's playing, there's like this tension building up. You could just feel like something's wrong. There's this random dude at the, like the bar or whatever is just like continuing to stare at Tony and then the camera keeps going on him. So you're wondering who the heck is this guy? You know, he gets up, he walks past Tony, goes into the bathroom. You hear the the bell from the door, from the daughter coming into the diner, and the screen goes black. So I know that there's all these, like, theories out there, what the heck happened. Because obviously it's an ending that – and this is a spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen The Sopranos. But yeah, get out now. If you, know, if you haven't yeah, watched if, it yeah, yet. Yeah, by the way, you, yeah, never seriously. Watched it, get this out isn't now. an episode just get out you. now. Get or out. just fast forward about ten <laughs> yeah. minutes in, and then we'll get yeah, into it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, there's a lot of theories out there of what actually happens at the end. I'm curious to see what you guys think, because I think it's obviously – it's one or two things for me. One, that guy they kept showing was there to kill Tony, or he was like an undercover agent getting ready to make a raid to arrest Tony, because at the end, you know that he's in some trouble. There's somebody testifying – on uh you know that gun charge that he gets earlier in like the actually i think it was like the fifth season um so he gets like a gun charge the fbi takes it over so i've seen a lot of people talking about that like which one is it so i'm curious to see what you guys think i think it's the feds i think the fed i don't think the guy's there to kill him because the threat of him the guy that was trying to kill him was already dead unless if they you know didn't show something off thing i know the feds were after him I think it was the feds trying to arrest him and raid him. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think it's meant to be ambiguous. Like it's meant to not have an answer. <clears throat> I I don't think it was the feds. Like I think it was either nothing or that guy popped him because there's a scene with Bobby Baklava when he's like they're fishing and it's like, what do you think happened? Is it the end? And it's like they say something about it like being silent like you don't even realize it happened or whatever so like that's why i think maybe he died because it just like cuts out and maybe it's just like tony's dead the show's over and the bell rings right yeah the show's over like but at the same time like i think it could just be like an ambiguous ending where like you you don't know what happens like i mean you know basically like at some point tony is fucked because that's what happens to everyone who he deals with, you know, right. like anyone who's ever been like a mobster pretty much other than little Carmine, everyone like goes out in a bad way. So like the ending could just mean like he's done, like he's going out at some point. And if you think about it, his daughter would be the one sitting next to him. 
and she wasn't in the seat yet because she was having issues with parallel parking. Yeah. So the, park. it, it's a clean shot. It's a, it, was a, it, was a, it would be a clean shot mm-hmm. to him if that's the case. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking – like, because I don't want Tony to die, even though we don't know it's, it yeah. goes to black. That's but I'm the, just saying, I don't. I don't know, Chip. You might have a different opinion, but I think it's like you're, we're not really supposed to like. No, it's just supposed to be open ended. Yeah, I think it was definitely supposed to be open ended. That's why David Chase black. hasn't hasn't said anything and left it black or whatever. But no, I think he's dead. That if I had to like guess or whatever, I, I would say he's dead. That guy was in there to kill him and. I don't think the threat of him being killed is ever gone. You know, I think yeah, little exactly. Carmine that, is mm-hmm. little Carmine's in charge now and him and little Carmine are not exactly, you know, close or anything. You know, and little Carmine probably wants to uh, be, it's better safe than sorry. Tony Soprano's got probably looks at Tony as being weak with all of his guys are gone pretty much. You know, Silvio's gone. Silvio. Christopher's yeah. gone. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Bobby's, yeah, Bobby's gone too. Sorry, Bobby. Yeah, uh, and you know, Paulie's the only one left, and Paulie's Paulie. So, Johnny Sack played Paulie like a fiddle that entire yeah, series. Jesus. Oh my God. Yep. Yeah, that's why I thought he, Paulie was going to die because of you know the relationship that he had with mm. Johnny Sack and all that. But um, I, I want to know what's you know you you quote it all the time, Danny. You got to do some of your impersonations that you can do because they're pretty good. They're pretty good. You got to give us something. All right. Uh, I'll go with spot. No, I'll go with because uh, Ralph Cipharetto and Richie April, I think, are my two <laughs> favorite. Like, like I guess not main characters or whatever you want to call them. Like they were like you know in they were main guys for like a season or two, but like those like guys who just kind of disappear. But uh, the Ralph Cipharetto when he's obsessed with Gladiator. And he's he's watching uh what is it? Uh the Kirk Douglas movie. Uh, Spartacus. Yeah, yeah Spartacus, Spartacus, Spartacus. Yeah. And he's like, This Moltisante kid's got his head so far <laughs> up his ass. They didn't have flat tops in ancient Rome. <laughs> he's like, This is freaking Kirk Douglas. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite scenes in the show. Honestly, yo, Sopranos is one of the funniest shows. Like it really is so funny. underratedly funny. And like I know uh I think I remember like reading like David Chase saying one time like that like Ralph became like such a funny character like that he had to mix in some like really just like depraved shit like and you know yeah. just like like he had to like mix in like Ralph killing Jackie Jr. like essentially his stepson like just right. to remind like the audience like oh yeah but he's a gangster yeah yeah he's a he's a he's a POS so killing that girl and even after yeah, he kills that girl I mean, he's like after he kills that girl, yeah. he's like, one, she was a hoa. She was a <laughs> hoa. <Yeah. laughs> My favorite episode is the one where they got that. I think, I don't, I, I think he's Russian. Where it's I knew Chris and Polly in the woods. That oh, is my yeah. favorite freaking episode. I, mean, I, I was in tears. I was, I, I, and I didn't know um, Steve Buscemi is the one that, that directed that one. Did that he really? Is my oh, I didn't yeah, know that. he 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 directed that episode. That's a good and one. And that one was that's the one that sticks out to me because I can just you know being out of the woods, freezing, not knowing where the heck you are. Those two in general being stuck in the wilderness together is just comical. Yeah, you, know, you don't know if the guy's dead or you know what they're in a world of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I enjoyed that, and they're eating like the old jelly packs that they yeah. find in that truck they find randomly in the woods. And that's uh, uh Paul, Paulie and Christopher were like they had like good uh good episodes yeah. and chemistry together. <laughs> like like oh he said he was an interior decorator, and then Christopher was like oh, really his house looked like shit. <laughs> 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 like that was that's probably one of the funniest episodes for sure did, did you guys hear uh that they're they might be coming out with a prequel to the Supreme uh, they are yeah. yeah they are it's yeah. uh Gan- okay. gandolfini's uh gandolfini's son is son. playing young tony soprano young tony oh that's gonna and, be good uh, that's gonna it's be really based on good. uncle june and tony's dad right i yeah, think so 60s, yeah northern jersey's in like the 60s 70s around there so that's gonna be really good um you know, I just I, – I don't know. Like, I keep going to the end. I wish it would have – if they killed him. Like, I don't know. Have you guys seen Boardwalk Empire? Yeah. yeah you know how that show. ends? I, I'd rather that end like that so I just know. It would infuriate mm-hmm. me, but I can live with it. You know, it is yeah. what it is. You get it. You understand it. 
uh, you know, type thing. So, um, Boardwalk Empire know, was just, a good show too. That's a that was a more it, fitting end. That was yeah. a more fitting yeah. end for Boardwalk. And it was perfect. The way they ended that, you know, was just. I just hate when things are just left to the imagination. But I mean, I guess that will make that's but like Nucky's people hate the show because Nucky's a historical figure, though. He's based on a character. Yeah. 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 Um, like, you know, the, I don't, I don't think like Darmody, Jimmy Darmody, the son that eventually gets him in the end. Yeah. I, I don't think they're real or anything like that. But I don't think it's, it's kind of crazy yeah. that if you pay attention, like some of the characters that had tiny roles in the Sopranos had huge roles in um, the uh, Boardwalk Empire. You well, know, it's the same like, guy, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and HBO. HBO, yeah, they phone, always, right, yeah, they always like kind of recycle. Uh, I mean, right. like Chalky White is Omar in you know right. The Wire. Like, there's there's always yeah, crossovers yeah, yeah, yeah. between those really good shows. You know, there's there's spaces in there like even like the scenes where AJ's in the club a lot and he's just spending stupid money, even though he has no, like no job, no, no, he's not in school no more. His AJ friends, sucked. there's friends that he hangs out with that play big roles in Boardwalk Empire. Uh, the guy that plays a uh, lucky Luciano in Boardwalk mm-hmm. Empire has a small little part. Really? Like one episode. Yeah. And I caught that. I was like, he looks Damn. so familiar. And I put it on pause when I'm just staring at him and it hit me. That's lucky Luciano. So uh, it, it's funny how that kind of works, how they carry it over. Yeah. Um, you know, and then of course Steve Buscemi plays Nucky Thompson. He was evolved with the Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, so he was Adam good. Silver, he, that was he yeah. Was. That was, he's, he was he's really great. good in it. You know, Adam Sandler says all the time he's the best actor that he's worked with with like range. Like he can do anything that you he can be goofy, he can be serious. You know, uh, so, so Buscemi does a great job with it. So. I love the show, though. I can't believe it took me this long to see it. I know there's so many people that were saying, I, I won't watch it no more because I hate the way it ends. I get it. Like, it's not the like the greatest ending of all time, but, I mean, it it's going to keep people still talking about it uh, type every, thing. So Every show kind of, like, fades down the stretch, honestly. Like, that, there's very yeah. few shows that, like, get stronger and finish out strong. Right, yeah. like, Especially when they have run. a really like, good season. Yeah, the next oh, season Game of Thrones is worse. Yeah. But like Sopranos was still good at the end. It was still good at the end, but like the best seasons were like seasons one, two, three, four. Like the, it, then it kind of yeah. went downhill a little bit, but like not not to the extent like right. Game of Thrones. The last couple of seasons were just trash. Well, the beauty of Thrones was at the beginning when every single season they were all just doing one thing in yeah. every season they were all like traveling through right. and i don't want to go down a game of thrones rabbit hole because then i'm just gonna complain about how terrible yeah. the last season yeah. was <laughs> yeah. that's what i'm that's gonna get true. to I, i'll have to watch that and then join on that on another episode because i i haven't seen yeah. it i throw little things about it but anyway i finished anyway yeah. before we before we go on matt if you like sopranos and boardwalk empire you should check out that new perry mason show on hbo I hear it's nothing really but good, good things. My mom was yeah. watching that. She's, she was saying yeah. good things about it. Yeah. It's the dude. The dude who did Boardwalk Empire is the guy doing Perry Mason. It's really good. Okay. And the guy who plays no. Nucky's brother on yeah, Perry yeah, Mason yeah, yeah, yeah. on Boardwalk Empire is in Perry yeah. Mason. It's really, okay, cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, it's a good show. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start watching that because I have that HBO thing now for the next couple of months. I, I'm probably going to keep it. I was going to cancel the subscription. I got a free trial. That's why I see that's what they do. They hook you. But, yeah, they but hook you. I, my fiance wants to watch it now, so I'm like, yeah, it's worth watching. Yeah, so I'll pay, nah, you, got, like, you got two months of me paying fifteen ninety nine, and then you cut <laughs> off. All right, so you better get it done in two months. But that's my uh, Sopranos take here. Nothing about basketball. But if you don't like the Sopranos, well, then I don't like you. Um, so, I could I could talk Sopranos all yeah. day long. <laughs> like it's yeah. I would say I think it's my favorite. The Wire has was my favorite show for a long time, but like Sopranos, like to me has more rewatchability because there's like there yeah, are those like Pine. You can go back and just watch Pine Barrens, and like you don't need to like restart the series over. Like you can just rewatch an episode and like, oh, that was a great episode. Have you watched Sons of Anarchy? Have you guys seen that? Great show. I like so Sons of Anarchy, show. but I fell off with it at the end. I thought it kind of yeah. got kind of got dragged out yeah it did, it did too it, too it did long to the last season but it was he goes good. completely over the edge and just starts murdering everyone and yeah. <laughs> that's when it kind of jumps the shark if you're but... looking for a, a good show really quick as well i don't know if you guys seen it animal kingdom 
It's on TNT. I heard that's good. It's yeah. on Amazon Prime and all that. Oh, man, I, I love that show. It's a good show. Um, but with that being said, yeah, <laughs> we'll wrap up the we'll wrap up the TV talk. You're probably thinking it's a Nick podcast, but again, uh, The Sopranos is great, and I just finished it. If you I want a Sopranos, if if people let us know on Twitter if you want a Sopranos episode, because yeah, we'll give you a full. I think there's on- gonna be people shocked. That We're gonna I'm give just you now seeing lot. it. Yeah, it took me yeah. a while. It was, I was only like a few, like maybe. Yeah, like, when it was out, I was too young. Or, My parents were gonna let me. Watch it was. It. I was out of college like when eight. I saw it, so like yeah. it took me a while to see it too. Yeah. It's good stuff. It really is. Uh, but anyway, let's move on to the Nick news that we have uh, today. We got, you know, a little bit of a coaching search update, you know, some of the things with Jason Kidd, Tom Tibbs, and all that. Uh, but before we get that, Chip, you have a quote from uh, Bagley that we're going to kind of discuss here a little bit. Uh, you have the quote pulled up, Chip. Won't you tell them what, what he said and what we're kind of basing this show on today on? Yeah, Ian Begley was on the radio, ESPN radio, and he said, I think you are going to see a heavy veteran presence on the roster this year. It's not like they're going to roll the ball out and have a bunch of 19, 20, 21-year-olds in the rotation. You know, just he was being asked about, uh, I guess, Tom Thibodeau or Leon Rose, what his uh, mindset is going to be as president. And I'm sure he was being asked about uh, Tom Thibodeau coming in and being develop, uh, development minded and all that stuff. And I think uh, some points that people were making were like, do we really want him to be, do we really want the team to be filled with 19, right. 20, 21 year olds? And then people who were complaining about it were like, well, we don't want an, a bunch of more one year vet signings like we had last summer. It's kind of a slippery slope. Right. It's to me, this situation is kind of what, you know, like you, you, you understand you need veteran players with young guys. You need them. They're so important to the locker room. They're so important to younger players development. They help younger players develop through what they experience in the league. Uh, You know, they can kind of be that, that person in the younger players ears to kind of encourage them because they've seen it. They've been through the ropes. So having veteran presence is very important on a roster. However, the concern that I have is kind of, again, what we've seen this year was where we were not really competing, but yet we were throwing out the veterans out there and some of our younger players, they weren't getting out there and getting a minute. You know, we, we don't have Trier no more, but we didn't see Trier play because – you know, other guys, Wayne Allington was getting playing time. And, and, and at the point, at the second half of the season, all-star break around there, that's my only concern is, okay, we need veterans, and I want veterans on the team. But if we are out of it, at some point, you got to start cutting some of these veterans' minutes and playing some of these young guys because that's also crucial for the development. So it's kind of like a fine line. It's kind of kind of hard to, you know, if you're on one side or the other, I think there's there's pros and cons from having veterans on there. But I do I would lean towards I wouldn't mind seeing a lot of veterans on the team to help these younger players develop. So, Danny, what, what do you think? I mean, I think it's about the guys you sign. You know, right? Like I I, I don't think you can That's true like, condemn That's point. you can condemn it and say like oh we shouldn't be signing veterans like you know we shouldn't be bringing in veterans who can play like. I, I don't think necessarily what Steve Mills and Scott Perry did was wrong in theory. I think what was wrong was like the guys that they picked to, to be on the team, you know, like just not necessarily each individual guy is bad, but like they just, yeah, they went for Wayne Ellington and Reggie Bullock, but Wayne Ellington didn't play a ton. And he honestly like didn't shoot that well when he did play Reggie Bullock was injured then, you know, I mean, he was kind of streaky with his shot. Like they got a lot of guys who can play inside. And I know they got clowned for, you know, Oh, power forward, power forward, power forward. And those guys could play different positions. Like it wasn't like they signed four guys who could only play power forward. I mean, Todd Gibson played small forward, uh, pretty much every time he was in and Marcus Morris played uh, Taj Gibson played center uh, Marcus Morris played small forward so it's not like they it's not like positionally they were like as clownish as people made him out to be but it just wasn't the right fit if maybe they bring in the guys who can gel with RJ 
Mitch and then whoever like they end up drafting with their pick, then that's not a bad move. But I mean, it's all about who you sign, right? Who you can attract. Yeah. And yeah. Chip, that, let me ask you, who are some of the players that, if we're going to go veteran-wise, who are some of the players that you think on top of your head that you go, you know, the Knicks should target this would be a good veteran and why to some of these younger players? Well, Goran Dragic is definitely one. And then Danilo Gallinari. I yeah, obviously those guys are mine. would love for him to come back to New York. Uh, but I, I agree with Danny. What he just said, there's a big difference between – giving Bobby Portis, I think it was $15 million yeah. was the contract they gave mm-hmm. him last summer. There's a big difference between giving him $15 million and then trying to convince Danilo Gallinari to come back this year on the uh, J.J. Redick Sixers contract, the one-year yeah. $23 million deal they gave to him to try and talk him into that. Huge difference there. You know, you get big production from Danilo Gallinari. He wins you some games. Bobby Portis – wins you one ridiculous game against the Bulls. Dino Garnar gives you a lot more than Bobby Portis. That was so, a fun game, though. What the that's It's just so sad that that was one of the most fun games of the year. It really was. <laughs> Bobby Portis beating the Bulls is one of the most memorable moments of the getting, year. And I don't want to talk anymore. Getting a standing anymore. ovation, yeah. Getting a standing <laughs> ovation. It's... But, yeah, it was one of the most fun games of the year. I don't want to talk that much more trash about Bobby Portis because he seems like a really good guy, but it's – Yeah. No, yeah, he's, was, a, he's a good dude. He got a bad rap for, you know, things that happened in Chicago. Teammate, yeah. But uh, he's, a, he's a good dude. He, he's a nice guy. I'm not going to act like I didn't talk trash about him all year and say his defense was <laughs> trash, but, I, but, yeah, but I'm going to – yeah. On the court stuff. He's a nice guy off the court. Yeah. Uh, you know, I definitely would like the Danilo Gallinari. Um, I don't, I don't know if you guys have seen. I, I, I that's probably a stupid question because I, you've had to see it. There's that whole Carmelo Anthony thing. Do the Knicks look in bringing Skinny Mellow back into it? Is Skinny he the Mello. kind of guy? Is Skinny Mellow the kind Mello. of guy that you want to mentor some of these young players? Perzingis was very high on him. Said that he was a great you know, teammate, blah, blah, blah. Nah, upset, who gives a shit? You know, yeah, Przingis is dead to me. Um, but I had to just use that as an example here. Um, you know, is Carmelo Anthony a smart option, if a veteran present player? Or does he fit more of a team that's looking for a veteran kind of guy on their roster that's more of a championship hunt, you know, type thing? Well, he fits more of a championship team for sure. I agree. Because he's a guy – for sure, that's what he fits. But I think he wants to come back to New York from from everything Mark Berman has written for in the last <laughs> month. He's written the same report like five times that Carmelo Anthony wants to come back to make it clear to all of us that he wants to come back. But yeah, Leon, according to Mark Berman, Leon Rose really likes Carmelo Anthony and wants him to come back. And Carmelo Anthony really likes Leon Rose and New York and wants to come back. So it, it makes sense that Carmelo is going to come back because of who's in charge now. And obviously there were semi hurt feelings, at least with Steve Mills, whether or not they were going to bring him back before uh, the Kevin Durant thing fell apart. We don't, we'll never really know the truth about that. But now that there's someone in place who Melo trusts, I guess he wants to come home. I think it makes sense. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut Oh, you uh, no, I was just going to say one more thing. I was just going to say, like, regardless of what people like the media thinks of Carmelo Anthony, players in the league love Carmelo Anthony. When he was out of the league, everybody was going to bat for him. So, I mean, I, I can't right. think of a better mentor for players to learn from. And I know people are going to say, oh, my God, Carmelo Anthony, fuck you. Fuck yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with everything you're saying, Chip. Like, it's not the worst. It's not the worst thing in the world. I think Carmelo at this point, like if he's coming to the Knicks, he knows what he's signing up for. And you have RJ Barrett, who's going to be 20 next year. Uh, you know, you have Kevin Knox, who's going to be, I think 21 Mitchell Robinson, Frank Milikina, like who knows who, uh, who they're going to draft or anything like that. And like what the final roster is going to look like. But if Melo's on that team, like, you know he's going to be setting a tone for all the guys like underneath, you know, like even if he's not going to be 
the mellow that we once knew and, you know, the garden putting up like, you know, 50 point games and stuff like that. Like obviously that ship has sailed, but I think mellow is like one of the most respected guys in the league, like a veteran who knows what it takes to become like a legit hall of famer. That's not a bad guy to have in your locker room, especially if he's bought into like his role and, you know, the, where the team is at and, you know, the future, like kind of what they're, they're building towards. I think it's not a bad move at all. No, it'll be good for Tibbs. If Melo's bought in, it'll set a tone for the exactly. young players. Exactly. Speaking of skinny Melo, I'm looking on social media, just scrolling through things. There's a video of him at Portland, you know, one of their, their scrimmages they're doing. He's playing defense. He's moving. He's running around. He's flying around there. Skinny Melo, he's got some wheels. He's looking lighter, looking fresh. But, um, you know, I, I just always will say this. I think there's always people that are kind of like, well, Carmelo Anthony uh, is not the same player that he once was. That's not the point. That's not why you bring a guy back like that. Yeah. And, and I think Nick fans should welcome him back. And I think a lot of them will because, again, we talked about this several times before, but Melo is that one guy that wanted to be in New York. He wanted to take the challenge. And you just see so many NBA superstars today that run from it and don't want any part of it. And he took the challenge head on. For me, Carmelo Anthony is somebody that I always will respect. And, I would not be opposed to the reunion. I knew a couple of years ago it was time to move on from him, but it could be the time to bring him back. And, you know, he's still going to get minutes out there. He's still going to play an important role. But it's also to teach some of the young guys we have here, maybe help out RJ, or RJ, 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 RJ Barrett. Yeah, I, I, I get mixed up again. I have a friend named RG, so I always want to say RG, and I'm just like, I always have to stop and think about it. Um, but yeah, I said it right. Um, but you know, he is somebody that could have some value on the team. Well, you know, I still think he can hit some big shots. I, I would like to see Camelo Anthony back, but I'm with you, Chip. I would love to see Gallinari back. That's who I want to see play for the Knicks again. Very disappointed when they, when again, we're going to go back to that. What if in the trade thing? Yeah. I hated the mm -hmm. fact that he was involved in that deal. Cause I, I, I was very high on uh, Gallinari. Would love to see him back. And I think Dragic is a good option as well, Chip. Um, I think Dragic, again, was that guy that I wish we would have gotten like four or five years ago. Um, but, you know, I still think that he gives very productive minutes. I mean, he played a lot of the backup role this year with several guards now that Miami has and plays well. You know, he's a guy that just goes out there. He runs the offense well. Um, that That's another guy that I hope the Knicks bring in. But from this question of, you know, Nick's going heavy veterans. I think it's needed when you have a young roster. You know, I know a lot of people want to see the young guys play, and there's got to be a time where you look at it and go, we got to start developing these young guys if things are not working out, if you're not really competitive, if you're not in the mix of things. But you need to have these veteran guys in there to help these young players grow. They're just as important in the development process uh, than, than coaches are as well. So, All right, I, 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 have, a I have a hypothetical Okay. What about, what about like a because you brought up JJ Redick and that Sixers contract uh, before. What about doing that with the Joe Harris to try and I mean the Knicks have not had a good like elite three point shooter in you know how long. What about bringing on trying to poach Joe Harris from the Nets on like a one? How much are we talking? One or two how year much are deal. We talking? That's the thing. I don't Isn't know. he too I young for that? Isn't he a little he's, young for one he's year? He's 28. Well, maybe if you can get him on like a two-year deal, like kind of an inflated uh, – two-year would – that no, nah, that probably would eat into their cap space. I don't know. I'm just – he probably – Throwing a name out there like that. Yeah. Honestly, I think, I think he would probably stay in Brooklyn on a reasonable like two- or three-year deal rather than sign like an inflated one-year deal with the yeah. Knicks. But I'm just – I'm trying to think of like guys that they could go after because – if they give a guy like that, like a J.J. Redick, like an inflated one-year deal, Gallinari, obviously a good candidate that you guys brought up. But, like, giving a guy that wouldn't be a terrible idea because then you can recoup the space for 2021, which, I mean, I think with Leon Rose and World Wide West running the show, I think probably making a splash in 2021 is, is going to be the goal. Yeah, and I think yeah. Gallinari is a good option for that because the Knicks obviously would outbid OKC on that. And I think Drogic 
is an option because I'm not sure Miami would want to go too no, high. Miami's going to let him go, I think. Either. Yeah, he's, I, th- I think. I don't think that. I think they're ready to move on. I mean, they got Kendrick Nunn, who's going to take down the the starting point guard spot. They can find you know a, a cheap option as a backup PG. I wrote. When I wrote that the Knicks were going to chase after Drogic, that's not what Heat fans thought. They think really? he's going to be – yeah, they think he's going to be there because Colin retweeted it and uh, Heat got fans some, were like, no, yeah. yeah, Heat fans think he's going to be there for good. I don't see but that. I, really, I mean, maybe. I don't know. But, like, I don't know. Like, Drogic has been good. He's been good. He's been good for the Heat for sure. But, like, see a guy that, like, is, they're definitely going to be like, oh, we got to – we got to make a bid for Dragic when right. aren't they, aren't they, isn't the, like, aren't they looking for like a big, another guy like to come in like a the big goal like, with match guy. Yeah. Like, isn't that yeah. the goal? I mean, I like their supporting cast and everything, but like, they got some good young players. Yeah. They but is, isn't to it, let them go, right? isn't it? No? Yeah. Like the plan is to trade for like a big star to come in or like try and like clear the space to sign somebody. Like, I feel right. like that's Miami's goal. And like, if if somebody like the Knicks is gonna like offer Dragic like an inflated one year deal, like I can't see Miami like matching that kind of money and like yeah. messing up their cap situation. Right. No. It, yeah. I, Especially if a Chris Paul deal possibly comes yeah, their way that way too. Even even yeah, that they might they might be a good uh good option for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If Dragic becomes available though, like. I think the Knicks should go after him, but I can also see Goran kind of looking at it as, you know, somebody who could easily join like a contender as well, you know, and that's the thing. Like you, if you're going to get a player like Goran, you're probably going to have to give, like if it's a one-year deal, you're going to have to throw a good bit of money at him because otherwise he can look at as I could take less and compete or, you know, I can go to this team for a year, play a bigger role, you know, type thing, but I have no shot of winning. So it just kind of, I guess it depends on the player's preference, which is hard, you know, because I don't know Goran. I don't know what the heck he's thinking. So, I mean, that's just, that's just me on the top of my head going, you know, will guys like that want to come over to the Knicks? I, some will take the money and, and you know, that they're not chasing that ring. They'll take the money any, any day of the week, but if they're chasing a ring, it makes it a little bit tougher to get some of these veteran guys to come into the mix here. So it's just one yeah. of those things, you know, you, you don't know until it happens. We're forever away from free agency, which just sucks. <laughs> like, like we were supposed to have free agency like a week or two ago. I just, I'm just now thinking of this. Like we were supposed to have some, uh, you know, I don't think this year would have been that big of like a splash, you know, like it is coming up. But still, it just makes me miss, uh, you know, who we got coming in, who we got coming out type things. So we got, well, we got to like October now. Uh, before all that happens. So, you know, it's going to be a while till we see the way they build the team uh, for next season. Um, Any closing thoughts on this quote that Bagley had out there before we move on to touching a little bit of the coaching circle? Yeah, like when I wrote about it, to touch on your point about getting guys to come here, when I wrote about it, uh, two guys that I brought up were actually Paul Millsap and Mark Casole, who – like Marcus will obviously is a proven winner, won right. championship with the Raptors, just won uh, for Spain. And Paul Millsap is on another championship level team with the Nuggets. And I think both those guys would be huge. Like I wrote, I think Marcus Sol would be amazing player for Mitchell Robinson to watch up close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why I think having a veteran on the team would not be a bad thing. Like, just having these kids watch having these kids watch guys like Marcus soul is not the same thing as having these kids watch Julius Randall, you know, <laughs> having right, them yeah, yeah. watch Paul sure. Millsap is not the same thing as having them watch Bobby Portis. Like that's the point. So I, I don't think it's the end of the world. If they bring in a Paul Millsap on a one-year deal and have him play it, if when the revolution begins, if a guy like Paul Millsap comes in on Nick's Twitter and plays the fourth quarter over Kevin Knox, then I mean, that's going to be ridiculous, but I don't think it's, I'm not going to be mad if a guy like Paul Millsap comes in or a guy like Marcus soul or Dragic or Gallinari. I don't understand why anybody would. I think those guys would be great for a young team. 
and I'm not sure the Knicks would be able to pull that off. But they again, they would have to overpay to get yeah, those guys. Right, that's the thing. If you're gonna punch them away from t- title contenders, you're gonna have to drop a little cash to get them, and then you know it, it would be a nice little team to build because I think you know like a guy like Gallinari, Dragage, you can be a little bit more competitive than what we have seen the last couple of years with those guys. It's possible to be a little bit more, but again, that's kind of what we talked about last week. You kind of be stuck in like limbo or in that, you know, that scary kind of place where you're just like eighth, seven seed type thing, which really doesn't benefit you at all. You know, you got to be able to make a decision or something to help you either move up or you're going to have to kind of let build down in order to build back up. Um, But, you know, again, we're a long way from this. It will be interesting to see, though, who are some of the veteran guys that they target. Because, again, if you're going to bring in the guys, you've got to bring in the right ones as well uh, to mentor some of these younger players here. So, with that being said, now we'll move on to our third thing that we kind of want to talk about here today. Um, you know, there's a little bit of the, the second interview no, news. I know Jason Kidd supposedly wild the Knicks in his interview. Uh, Tibbs had his second interview. Uh, Wooden had his second interview. I haven't heard anything about Atkinson or anything like that. But the, the big names or, or the names that we have heard really a lot about in the last you know couple of days or so uh, been between Tibbs and Jason Kidd. Uh, as I seen something earlier before scrolling through it, and they were talking about you know that Jason Kidd's a smooth talker and all that stuff, and that that certainly helps him look good in the organization. I don't know, guys. I just don't. I just don't see Jason Kidd as like a, a serious candidate for this job. Like I just don't. I don't know why. Like obviously, you know, a second interview. There's interest. They were impressed by him and all that stuff. I just. I, we were talking about it before the show. There's guys that can become the head coach, and even if it's not the one that we want, we'd be okay with. I don't know how you guys would feel, but if Jason Kidd was like hired as a head coach, I don't know if I would like that. I just don't know if he's ready to be a head coach and be the right guy to kind of develop this team and kind of get us going in the right direction. You know, I know he had the success with us as a player that one year and he meant a lot to the team and had that kind of impact. And again, he could be a guy that is critical to younger kids and can help their game as well. But I just, I don't know. I just don't buy into the Jason kid as a possibility of being the next head coach. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, yeah, he shouldn't be the guy. Like, kid, he he had the one season in Brooklyn. They went to the playoffs, but they had that, you know, decent team. Then he went to Milwaukee. Like, look, just look at the bump Milwaukee's gotten since Mike Budenholzer's yeah. taken over. I mean, like, I know Giannis loves kid and everything like that, but, like, they've gotten so much better since Budenholzer's taken over. Kid right. was a mediocre coach in Milwaukee. And, I mean, he's he, like, he's not a guy. He, when there's, when there's, a guy like Atkinson, uh, Thibodeau, even you guys know I'm a, I'm a Miller guy too. Like I think he should be like kind of in the mix there. Um, when there's three guys like that on the board, Jason Kidd should not be not be an option. I mean, just go with go with the top guys. And I still think Tibbs has probably got the inside track. But yeah. Kidd just it, it wouldn't be the right move because if you make that move, it it tips your hand essentially that you're just like Giannis please come to us please Gian. like that's uh they shouldn't be hiring a coach just to attract one player and like Jason Kidd in like all other areas of coaching like the other guys have a leg up on him and that's like honestly no disrespect to Jason Kidd like I'm not saying he's a bad coach or anything like that the Bucks were you know they were a playoff team with him as the coach like I'm not saying he's like a terrible guy but He's just – he's not the guy for me. I think there's there's better guys on the board. No, he's not a bad coach. He's just not a good one. He's that's like fair, an average yeah. coach. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He's his, – his numbers, like, as a coach, his teams are just fascinatingly bad. Like, his – I was looking at the teams uh, that he's coached, and the three-point rate is really fascinating. Do you remember when he took over the Nets in 2013-14 and he got a ton of credit because he moved Brooke Lopez to the bench and people were like, wow, he's really forward thinking with like all this small ball stuff. 
And then Nets were fourth in three-point attempt rate that year. <laughs> and the league was obviously trending towards the three-point shot. Yeah. And so you would think that his teams would be, like, taking more three-pointers, right? But his Bucks teams took were 25th in three-point rate, 30th in three-point rate, 21st, and 25th. It's just strange. Like, he had success in Brooklyn taking threes like mm-hmm. i don't know why he would change his offense like that it just doesn't make any sense to me but yeah like you said he's not a very good coach and there's better you made the best point there's better options available and it was just very right. i tweeted it out it's very funny to me jalen rose tried to give him all the credit <laughs> for developing Giannis, yeah because they're friends and he also in the same article gave mark jackson credit for developing Draymond Green even though he didn't play him until Steve Kerr got there it's just ridiculous the way these ex-players try and defend their idiot friends but yeah like yeah I guess don't get me started on yeah Jason Kidd is not Mark Jackson like no he's not all agree yeah we can all agree on that Mark Jackson's a fool but no I I actually disagree with you Matt that he's not a contender for the job I think it's possible if Tibbs, for some reason, turns down the job, which I don't think okay, he will, yeah. I think Jason Kidd is going to get the job. I really, do. I think he's the second favorite. We haven't heard anything. I would, I would go when was the last thing you heard? When was the last time you heard anything about Kenny Atkinson? Right. It, uh, other than Mark Berman, you know, usually some... know. Mark Berman knows all. Mark Berman knows all. And the I... only people we've heard about are Jason Kidd and Tom Thibodeau. For how long? About three weeks ago, I heard the Kenny Atkinson thing was hot, and I haven't heard anything since. I haven't heard anything yeah. since. So you have a good point there. It's just I think of Jason Kidd, and I think about, you know, going into some of the things of trying to have, like, control of the organization, like decision-making, personnel decision-making, things like that. You know, and he wanted that in Brooklyn when he barely had any head coaching experience, you know, and it's just – like I said, I give him credit because after he was fired twice, he stayed with coaching. Like he's joined, you know, the I think he's on the Lakers now, right? Mm-hmm. As an assistant yeah, yeah. coach and all that stuff. But, yeah, you know, going to try and try to grow that job from Vogel at some point. <laughs> he's a yeah, fucking yeah. scumbag, Jason Kidd. I don't, I don't want him anywhere near my team. Sorry. I just, he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He is. Yeah. I would, uh, I mean, sorry. if he was an assistant. I, if he was an assistant, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I don't want him as a head coach. I just – I don't – I don't know. Even, kinda... like, Chip, Chip's not that far off. Like, a lot of people – like, Lakers people you follow on Twitter. Like, like I know, like, the Lakers SB Nation guys, like, were, like, very against them hiring Kid in the beginning, I guess, um, at least as far as my memory goes, just because, like, the same thing Chip is saying. Like, they felt like he's going to be trying to, like, snake Vogel out of his job and, like, kind of being that guy, like, oh, if things go wrong and they need a scapegoat, fire Vogel, and then kid right. becomes a head coach and, like, then all is well. Like, I don't know. They, I mean, there's, I, don't I think care there's a certain who the element head coach to that. Is in LA yeah. Because we all know who the real coach is in LA. It's LeBron freaking James. I mean, duh. I mean, no, it's it Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has so much influence over the Nets now that he's actually has influence over other teams now. <laughs> <laughs> is that how that works? Right. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I mean, the second interview things like that, and according to what I've read, and I read some things where that was kind of their point all along that the first interview with a lot of these guys were kind of the break the ice type thing, just have a very kind of generic conversation i think the second interview is more so okay if you're hired if you're the guy what the hell is your plan what's your philosophies what do you think of this how can you develop this guy all those kind of questions so i think the second interview is these coaches coming with a damn plan and you know present it to rose and the other guys in the front office and you know supposedly they were very impressed by his plan but again i think the only real interest in kid is because the hope of in, in luring, you know, Giannis over to the next, you know, next season or whatever the heck it is that he becomes available, which I am just – you guys know how I kind of feel about that. I just, it's not going to happen. It doesn't – you can't – just because Jason Kidd gave Giannis a pencil three years ago and they had a good – you know, a good, it just doesn't work that way. That's, that's been the approach several times. Oh, we bring this guy in because he knows this guy. doesn't get you anywhere. 
you know, I just, I, you got to build this young core first before you attract free agents. If you don't have the foundation, these guys are just coming into something and they're having to carry a load. They're not ready to contend. They're not ready to compete. So this whole notion of Jason Kidd has a great relationship with Giannis makes Giannis a big possibility in New York. That's just headlines for it to blow up and then the media sit there and make fun of the Knicks. Like it was the Knicks who were claiming they were going to get this stuff. Yeah, Things like that. I just, I don't, I, I, if some people pass on it, could, could be a coach. Chip, you made a great point. He could be if that's the case. But I just think, let's say Tibbs is wanting the job. They're going to give it to Tibbs. It's not going to be Jason Kidd. Because I just think Tibbs is a front runner. If he wants a job, it's his. I, I, I just, that's just my take on it. That's just what I'm thinking with the search at this point. And, you know, they say they're going to hire a coach by the end of uh, July. So we're getting the midway point here. You know, it'd be nice to know who we got. Again, they don't have to rush or anything like that. But um, I, I have my fingers crossed it ain't Jason Kidd. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If it is Jason Kidd, that'd be a pretty good reason to give up early on this front office, at least in my opinion. <laughs> Chip might be might be right on his initial uh, Scott Perry review or the uh, the emergency podcast. Yeah. You might be proven right. If Jason Kidd we'll is to go hired, back to that. Yeah. I think I I'll think keep, the I'll podcast that will just if, if Jason Kidd's hired, I think the, the whole podcast is just Chip cursing out the team. Like we're just gonna sit back. Chip is gonna roll out a piece of paper of all the mean <laughs> things that he said and read them off one by one. And I, I mean, I would enjoy it. We've got I, receipts. I, I like We've when Chip receipts. gets angry. I love when Chip gets angry. It usually makes a great podcast because he's spot <laughs> on, and it's it's real and it's great. You know, it's I like it. So kind of just want to see a report out there that kid would be the head coach. It doesn't happen, but just to get Chip going, that would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> he really but, uh, would be the only candidate out there that I would have a problem with. A, right, a big you know, problem. We can like, go I, with other guys and be okay with it, you know, as long as it, if it's it, Jason Kidd's not the, If they went with Tibbs and I, I want Kenny like you, Chip, I would be okay with it. Or if they – Mike Miller. I, I, I do think Mike Miller did a pretty damn good job in the situation that he got dealt with. That was not yeah, an easy like, thing. Plus all the drama that happened. He had a handle it and handled it well. I was impressed. You yeah, know? He, did, he, did, he did well, you know, considering all the circumstances. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, as long as it's not Jason Kidd, uh, you know, I, I just – I don't, I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. And it kind of makes me cringe to hear, oh, he hit a home run in his interview. I just think it was a whole lot of ass kissing. And just don't, don't fall for it, Leon Rose. Don't do it. Don't do it. Be smarter. Be smarter. It'd be so embarrassing to hire him. So embarrassing. Yeah, he'll do another cup just, spilling thing like he did in Brooklyn. That was great. No, it, <laughs> it'd be like – me. No, I was thinking it'd be like when uh, the college team hires the – star recruits younger brother or older brother ought to be an assistant to try and get the mm. star recruit to come play for them. That's what it's like. It's just humiliating and obvious. Yeah. yeah. It's hard let's, to argue with that. What's a uh, closing thoughts, our famous segment. Any, any last closing remarks that you want to say about anything we talked about here today? It could be anything. Oh, about anything. All right. I was going to say something. I was going to say something. That was your hint to give us another impersonation of the Sopranos. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Okay. Now I'm on the spot. <laughs> um, no, not, I, can't, I can't do an impersonation. <laughs> I can't think of anything good. But uh, if you go on YouTube, the video of Tony, and I don't even know what season this is from, the video of him cursing out Feech Lamana is like one of the best videos when <laughs> he's just like shut the fuck up <laughs> he's just yelling at him just go watch that video that's that's a don't very uh, godfather with that fucking yeah, yeah, smirk <laughs> yeah there it is Jeff. there it is i can't yeah, i can't think of like this i just remember the part when he's just like shut whatever the you fuck say godfather up. yeah, <laughs> yeah feature mana that i was I, I that like popped up into my recommended videos the other day and i was like oh shit that's a great sopranos moment well, that's it. I can learn from Richie Aprio. <laughs> Great character. Great character. Yeah. 
I'm gonna relive it again because my it's fiance is gonna watch it. Yeah, <laughs> he was mad. <laughs> that was good. That was good. But, uh, <laughs> you guys are making me sad thinking that he was shot. I don't like that. He was shot. That was no, a he, great. That was a great. He's scene. a gangster. He's a mob. No, he's he the mob boss. He lived, <laughs> and he's he lived a great, great life after, and did great things for Northern Jersey. That's what. That's my take, and I'm going with it. I thought I told you to back off, Beansy. I did, and then I put it in reverse. <laughs> I met. I think I, think I messed up it. the line, but you know the scene I'm talking about. The more yeah. I think about it, I think I'm more wrong before saying that was the fence. He had to die. They always talked about security and having money for his family when he's gone. I'm getting depressed. I don't want to talk about this. I'm getting sad. I'm getting yeah. sad. I can't wait till the prequel comes out. Psalms that I I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's gonna be I, does fun. That, does anybody know when that's supposed to be? I just heard it today when I was just reading some things about it. Yeah. Just you know, I don't know. I always do that just in case if I miss something. Mm-hmm. Like, did I miss something? You know, so I'll read back like finales or something just to you know, okay, I'm 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 got just it to all make sure, yeah, yeah. That I I because I I will miss stuff and be like, oh, I totally missed that in that movie, you know. So, um, that's when the first time I heard about it was today. So I'm looking forward to it. So. I know Ray Liotta's in it. I don't know who he's playing, but I know I remember reading he's in it. I want to be in it. I want to have a. I want to be a character. Yeah. They let man. They let man idiot be in the episode of The Sopranos. Why can I not be in it? <laughs> stupid. This is stupid. I always thought he was in the finale, by the way, but it wasn't the finale he's in. It's like the second to last episode that he's he's in the restaurant. And I just they call him man genius in it. And I'm like, oh my god, that's like the most worst era of Jets. Like the one year we thought <laughs> the man we went shit. ten and six, we're ready to roll, and then we win four games the next freaking season. And, and oh god, uh, that's a different. I'm going off on a different topic. Let's wrap this up. We'll be back next week Fuck. for another episode. Yeah. Don't get me started on the Jets. Yeah, damn Jets. <laughs>